Would you mind opening with me in a word of prayer? (coughs) Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all the hearts assembled here be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. You know, when, uh, when recalling days gone by as a child, I don't know about you, but there are just certain memories that are just seared in my brain. Now, I'm not exactly sure um, what specifically preceded this event or, more importantly, the words that were said. However, at this moment, I found, found myself sitting in the bathroom Mom standing over me, and something was in my mouth. Do you know what that was? A bar of soap. That's right. (laughs) Yes, these occasions uh, seldom happened in the Sherman household. As my mom continues to tell us today, we were great kids. These moments were, were, were only for the most egregious of offenses, And yet, um, corrections needed to be made. And it was said, my mouth needed to be washed out. I learned from my older sister to simply accept uh, my fate. Um, There was a time, a different time, when she had been given the same discipline. After the bar of soap was taken out of my sister's mouth, she defiantly exclaimed, I didn't even taste it. As you can imagine the bar found its way back to which it came. 35-ish years later, I consider myself to have some of the greatest parents ever. It's interesting how, as I look back upon my childhood, even through those moments of discipline, that I could be grateful that my parents always provided me with what I needed. I sincerely hope and pray that you had the same memories. Sometimes, if they could, they would give you what, they, what you wanted, but they were laser-focused on what you needed. In those instances, my sister and I, we needed some discipline. Sometimes it was a consoling shoulder or a warm embrace. Sometimes the, the need was to allow, my, to allow our failures to take place so that we would have lifelong lessons learned. And still, sometimes the need was for mom and dad to roll up their sleeves because they knew the task at hand was beyond our capabilities. The common thread in all of these was that there was an intimate need or there was an intimate knowledge behind the giver and the one in need, the receiver. Today we celebrate Pentecost, the birthday of the church. And and it's common when looking at celebrations in, in the church calendar year for Easter and for Christmas to get much of the attention. But as grand as these celebrations are, We need the gifts given to us at Pentecost so that we might understand, so that we might embrace their fullness. For just like a good parent, God intimately knows the needs of his children and he acts at the perfect time. God knew what 
his children needed, and it's found in Pentecost. So that we might be uh, reminded of our needs and God's perfect timing, we'll be looking at our second reading today, uh, found in Acts chapter 2. If you'd like, you can go ahead and, and open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says these words. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Well, who who is the all? Well, the the all are the disciples of Jesus. Not just the 12, but uh, a number as large as 120. And, And for us to be able to fully understand what was happening, we need to briefly, not for a long time, but briefly revisit our Old Testament festivals. You see, the the festival of Pentecost was known to the Israelites as the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest. And it dates all the way back to the book of Leviticus when God commanded them to give them a tithe for after the first harvest. This feast was celebrated 50 days after the Passover. Penta meaning 50 As time progressed, the the celebration turned into a time when Jews would give thanks to God for giving his law to Moses on Mount Sinai 50 days after that very first Passover when the angel of death passed over the door frames that had the lamb's blood on them. Now in this particular Pentecost, if you recall, 50 days prior to this lesson, Jesus was celebrating the Passover with his disciples on the night in which he was betrayed. Now, Pentecost was one of three Jewish festivals that required a pilgrimage to the temple in Jerusalem if you had the means to do so. Because this was the the one place where Jews said God's presence existed. And here is where our lesson picks up, and here is where we find the disciples. Let's look again at 2.1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Now, now let's be very clear what happens next to the disciples. It is not a weather-related event. Any part or depiction of the first Pentecost that you might see an artist's rendering that shows some wind-blown disciples is wrong. Looking at the words closely, we see... Uh, a sound, sudden, suddenly a sound like a rushing wind filled the house in divided tongues as of fire rested upon each of them. What the writer Luke of, of the book of Acts is trying to do is give us some descriptions of the supernatural. He's using the best possible language for something that no one has ever experienced before. And just what was taking place? Well, let's look at verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It was the Holy Spirit, right? 
God had poured out the Holy Spirit on these followers in abundance, not in a, a trickle, but in a sound like a mighty rushing wind. The Spirit gave each individual the ability to speak a different language. Why? Well, let's read in verse 5. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Now, now the verses that follow next is what every person who volunteers to read at Lutheran Memorial prays that they don't get. So thank you, Elaine. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Why were the disciples given the Holy Spirit to speak other tongues? Because Jerusalem was filled with Jews and other people who had traveled from everywhere for Pentecost. Now everyone could hear the mighty works of God, the good news of Jesus. Friends, this is why I want you to be so clear on the origins of Pentecost. Because can we just not stop and ponder God's amazing timing? I mean, think about it. It started all the way back in the book of Leviticus, thousands of years beforehand. Then Jesus is born in such a way that he fulfills over 200 prophecies of Scripture. He rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, the same day in which a lamb was select, uh, a Passover lamb was selected for the Passover sacrifice. He celebrates Passover in such a way that he brings about a new covenant through his body, through his blood. He died, he rose, he appears to his disciples as we've just been sharing the last six weeks to comfort, affirm, and commission them to go and make disciples, but wait here until the Spirit falls on you. And then the Holy Spirit comes on a day which brings such profound implications to the kingdom. Friends, my timing personally is terrible. I always fill up my car with fuel the day it drops in price. I cannot help but marvel God's amazing timing. In the sending of the Spirit at Pentecost, we're reminded that his time is perfect, and it may not necessarily be on our timeline. These, the words uh, of, from the prophet Habakkuk, Chapter 2, verse 3 resonate here. This is, I'm going to read from the New International Reader's Version. It's a, it's a version that we uh, give to our third graders. Listen to these words that God speaks through Habakkuk. The message I give you waits for the time I have appointed. It speaks about what is going to happen, and all of it will come true. It might take a while, but wait for it. You can be sure it will come. It will happen when I want it to. The season of Pentecost is a beautiful reminder and call for us to trust God because he knows. 
He knows what we need, just like a parent that intimately knows their children. He knows what we need for our benefit and his glory, and so he sends us the Holy Spirit. So often we want the the story that unfolds to be about our lives, to be about us, to be about our happiness, our dreams, our accomplishments, and of course, it has to happen on our timeline. This is how the brokenness of sin manifests itself in selfishness. King David knew this, for this is his plea in Psalm 119. He says, please turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards my selfish motives or gain. When our lives are not directed by the Holy Spirit, we find ourselves trying to preserve and maintain our story so that we get the outcomes that we desire. The prayer answered our way, the job that we want, the perfect amount of comfort, and so on and so forth. Not only is this an angst-filled way to try and control outcomes, It's a selfish way, and it's not how God created us to be. We were not created to live for ourselves. We were created to love God and love others. We were created to live for God and live for others. This, friends, is what the Spirit helps us do. This is what God knew we needed. Not only is his story way better than ours, it's infinitely more important. The Holy Spirit came to the disciples uh, of Jesus that day so that they could become greater than themselves, so that the love of Christ might extend to everyone. This identity of of being God's chosen people is is no longer a, a Jewish thing. It's no longer a national thing. It's for all people. Because God's timing is perfect, this is exactly what God, where Jesus had trained his disciples and us to do. To not build up walls, but to make a welcome. Jesus demonstrated this when he ate with the sinners and tax collectors. When he healed the unclean leper from his disease. When he saw the woman that was caught in adultery and told to sin no more. Jesus showed his disciples, and us when he encountered the the woman at the well, right? Even though she had kind of a sketchy past, he offered her living water. And even as he was dying on the cross to the criminal who had requested to be remembered when he entered his kingdom, Jesus did so. To these people, invitations were given to be children of God. Friends, by the power of the Holy Spirit and from the pages of Scripture, Jesus has shown us these things so that we might too fall into the temptation of living for ourselves and for our story, but so that we might be living invitations to all people to enable us to love as we have been loved, to show with our lives acts of service that convey God's grace so that people not only hear of God's love, but they might be able to experience it in tangible ways. Jesus knew that his followers could not do this on their own, so he gave us the Holy Spirit. Now you might be thinking to yourself, wow, I, I wish I could have been there that first Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out so boldly. 
After all, this was the day that Moses had longed for in our Old Testament lesson. But God has given the same gift, the same spirit to you and I in the sacraments and in his word. His spirit is still poured out because our needs still haven't changed. In baptism, God gives us the Holy Spirit in abundance so that we might know him just as well as the first disciples who were filled with, again, the same spirit. God knew that we could not, by our own reason or strength, come to him or believe in Jesus Christ. He knew what his children needed, and so he gave us the spirit. He also gives us the spirit in Holy Communion, In just a few moments, you'll be able to to come up here and experience Jesus in such a personal and special way. Through faith given to us by the Spirit, we receive Christ in a way that we can taste, touch, smell, and see that the Lord is good. So that we may receive his forgiveness, that we might be strengthened to go out and serve others again as we have been served. The Spirit who wrote these pages of Scripture fills our lives when we we take time to get into God's Word. And when we come to God in prayer, the same Spirit intercedes for us when we simply don't know what to say. God knows what we needed, so He gave us the Spirit. The gifts of the sacrament, God's word and prayer, they're given for you. But if they stop with you in this building or or in your home or in your bedroom, wherever you read God's word, then we're denying the call that the Spirit has given us to be a living invitation to the kingdom of God. Friends, this, this Pentecost, my prayer is that you would know how dearly God loves you. He demonstrated this for you by dying on the cross and putting your sins to death, right? He showed this to you by rising again so that you might have new life, that you might be forgiven. But he does more than that. He provides you with everything you need by giving you the same gifts that he gave to the disciples. Just as the disciples were emboldened and were able to to speak various language, so too the Spirit will give you the words to share your faith. You are not alone to do what Jesus has commanded us to do. Make disciples of all nations and behold, I am with you always. We don't need to worry. He's with us. His promises are true And his timing is perfect. He does this so that we don't live for ourselves, but so that we might be enabled to be part of his story as we continue to be living invitations of the gospel message to those around us so that those who might call on the name of the Lord might be saved. One closing thought. For some time now, there's been a a popular... (laughs) There's been a popular phrase in the the youth culture, especially in youth sports. Maybe you've heard it before. Let's go! 
a run is scored, right? A touchdown made, a goal is kicked, whatever the reason, and the words of excitement are exclaimed, let's go! Friends, we've been given assured victory over sin, death, and the devil. The living God has moved his dwelling place from his temple into our hearts. We're not doing this alone. We have been given the spirit to again be living invitations for all people. We are assured victory. So let's go. Amen.